a, a Giants podcast for Giants fans. By Giants fans. It's Sean Morash and Paul Dotino. Down the sideline, into the end zone. From the offseason, through the wins and the losses, it's time to take one, one, one giant, giant step, step. All right, that's right. One giant step. Sean Morash, Paul Dottino here on the Odyssey app and everywhere. Podcasts are downloadable. Giants fans, rub those hands together. Some of you may already have landed in Nashville as Giant fans look to take over Lower Broadway. But if not, you're ready. You're getting your wing order together, getting those beers together. And opening day is upon us. Paul, I am fired the freak up. What's going on, man? Hello, I'm Johnny Cash. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm not in in Nashville yet, Sean. (laughs) <laughs> and Paul, I imagine you're going to land with the cowboy boots on immediately. You're going to do a little step dancing. Maybe you're going to maybe maybe you're going to go to Kid Rocks, hit that rooftop, hit the beers hard. I imagine that's what Paul's weekend's looking like, right? Sean, I wanted to sightsee some in Nashville, but I'm hearing 90% chance of weekend rain throughout both of the days that we're going to be there. It's going to be pouring and a mess. Hopefully, sloppy enough so that. Uh, some guy named King Henry doesn't run all over the Giants' defense, but that remains to be seen. Uh, it's certainly going to be an interesting way to open the season. Yeah, it is, and I, I, I'm pumped up, and this was a game that many had obviously circled when the schedule came out. This is a dream road trip for many Giants fans, as I've alluded to, as far as having a good time for the weekend, maybe right underneath Vegas and going to a Raider game at this point. But with that being said, the Brian Dable, Joe Shane era gets going for real, for real. The games count. And whether you were super negative heading into the season, whether you were trying to see a lot of positive lights going into the season, we get to finally figure that all out. And I have never been a believer heading into week one, no matter how bad the team could have been in assuming a loss. And I have gone through this the last two days and examined everything. And I, and I do think there's path to victory, Paul. I do think that there's an opportunity that the Giants Albeit maybe they're not an 11 10 win team, but maybe we see suddenly, you know, that rise up. Well, maybe the Titans are passing them on the way back down. I do think that there is a recipe for an upset. And I got to imagine, Paul, you're feeling a little positive, like there's a chance for a win here Sunday as well, too. Yeah, I would think that this would be my upset special for the Giants this season, to be frank with you, Sean, for a number of reasons. Let me just get out of the way. You asked me last week, and I didn't really give you an answer. I think the Giants will finish 8-9 and nine this season. Okay. I don't think a nine-win season is out of the question. That would put them a shade over 500. But now, I would Paul, pick them to be an 8-9 team. Paul, I want to hit the brakes, and I want everybody listening to this podcast to hear what Paul Dottino just said. Perhaps for the first time anybody will give you credit for, you've picked the Giants to finish under 500, Paul. Everybody thinks you're always a 10, 11, 12-win guy. You've picked 8-9. This is unbelievable. What a break, Sean. That's because over the 40 years of doing this, a lot of people have selective hearing and have not heard the times that I did not pick them to finish 500. I love it. It's got to be highlighted. It's got to be highlighted. Paul says 8-9. Here we are. Here we are. In, in, In any effect. Um, why do I think this could be an upset? Well, uh, for uh, several reasons. Um, first reason is, and I honestly do believe the element of surprise is really in the Giants' favor. Between Wink Martindale and Mike Kafka and Brian Dable, 
I believe they know more about the Titans coaches and their personnel than the Titans know about the Giants personnel. Now, they may know the Giants coaches, vice versa, but they don't know the Giants personnel all that well. So I do think the element of surprise is certainly on the Giants side. We know historically, Sean, that in week one, you get more upsets than any other week during the NFL season anyway. Because really, let's face it, not a lot of people know exactly what to expect to start with. That's just the nature of right. the way the game works. Uh, so so I like that already as a big plus on the Giants' side. The other thing that I like about this is that the Titans do not have a very explosive offense. Regardless of what you believe about King Henry, and look, the only time he ever played the Giants, he ran for 170 yards and two touchdowns. He ate them for lunch, okay? I get that. That's, a, that's what, a handful of years ago. But, but they're not an explosive offense. Their, their wide receiving core is rather pedestrian. I know Woods is coming off an ACL after the trade from the Rams. He, he, he's supposed to be their go-to guy. And Tannehill, I think he's a good quarterback, but he's not a star. So I think they're a limited kind of team that probably isn't going to score more than 20 points anyway. And I think the Giants offense is going to shock a lot of people. And I like the Giants to win this game probably in the neighborhood of 23-20, 21-17, something along those lines. Uh, I just feel as though this this is an upset prime for the making. I I almost hate that I can't disagree with you because I do feel this way. I have the Giants as a six-win team, but this is actually a game I believe they will win. I'm not just going to say they can win. I, I feel oddly extremely confident for a lot of the reasons you highlighted. I, I think that the unknown of what the Giants are going to do on offense is very difficult for Tennessee to prepare for. This is the first game, and I know we keep we've brought up left guard here, but this is the first game in a long time. I am not sitting panicked about a pass rush versus the Giants' offensive line, and throw in that Harold Landry is obviously right. done for Tennessee as well, which is no so doubt. enormous. Uh, no doubt, I would feel way better. And although we are taping this on a Thursday morning, so we don't have the official word, I would feel way better with a healthy Kayvon Thibodeau and Aziz Ojolari, although I'm under the assumption neither will play. I guess there's a chance Aziz can. Uh, that being said, how about the fact that the Titans are starting a a, a rookie third-round pick at right tackle as well in this game, which is something to keep an eye on. We want to talk about our off- remember our offensive line problems. Could you imagine as a rookie starting Matt Paird at right tackle? I mean, that's essentially what Tennessee has going here. How yeah. about a little change in fortune, Paul, where the Giants have dealt with all these injuries for years, uh, you know, rookies being, you know, rushed to play in certain spots. And I know the Giants will have their own share of that. But how about the Giants finally being on the receiving end of of giving another team a taste of what the Giants have gone through? Maybe O'Shane Zimenez gets back there, gets a couple sacks, uh, you know, playing against a rookie, shows his pass rush ability. I am worried about the edges, setting the edge on Derrick Henry. But ultimately, Ryan Tannehill, what's left of this Titans passing offense does not scare me at all. The only thing that would worry me, though, Paul, and I know I'm kind of jumping around and hitting everything here all over the place, but that's how excited I am. You mentioned the weather, and if it does rain on Sunday, you know, the lazy narrative says, hey, running the ball works in the rain. Uh, You can't really pass the ball. Well, I've seen plenty of rain games where defensive backs are slipping and falling down all over the place. I am a little concerned about the big play already over Aaron Robinson's head or, you know, one of these young corners not named Adoree Jackson. I could see that being the difference in a game as well. It worries me. But ultimately, setting the edge, keeping the D-backs on the feet, you know, don't have a big play burn you. As you said, you think 23-20, something like that. 
this could be the game where it's so tight that one of those plays is the difference. Oh, I, I don't think there's any doubt that that, that could come down to a, a fourth quarter miscue of that nature. Look, Nicholas Pettit Frere was a pass protection uh, tackle in college, okay? And he's the guy you're referring to who's going to be starting at right tackle for Tennessee. He's not known for his run blocking. He was a pass protection guy. So I don't necessarily know that Henry's going to be running that way. He'll probably go right up the back of Taylor Wawan over on the left side. At right. least that's what I would do if I were Tennessee. All right, so now yeah. if you're the Giants, what do you do? Well, you and I both know the Giants have some beef on that side of the line. They could have Dexter Lawrence playing out there as the, the edge guy if they want to right. in terms of the line. Or how about this? Sean, I got a counter on this one. What I'm going to do is I'm going to use Jaheed Ward as a stand-up backer on the edge to give the Giants extra beef. He's about 285 pounds, and he is a force against the run. I really prefer him as a defensive lineman, but he can be a stand-up linebacker as well, and they've used him as that in camp. So if I'm the Giants, here's what I do. Wink Martindale decides, you know what? When When we believe they're going to run, we're going to go with the big bodies up front. We're not just going to go with two down linemen with their hands in the dirt. We'll go with three, or we'll go with four, and we're going to stack another extra linebacker or two up on the line, and we're going to overplay the run. Like what, if you remember, back in 1990 when the Giants played the Bears in the playoffs and Bill Belichick pulled out a whole new-look defense. They called it the Bear Front, and they added extra beef. John Washington wound up being added to that defensive line because they knew the Bears' passing attack could not beat them. I think Wink is smart enough to do that, so I think you'll see Ward. You might even see Roche come up from the practice squad because he's more stout in setting the edge, and I think the Giants are going to have an answer to contain Henry and force the Titans' passing game to try to win it. And by the way, yeah, Austin Hooper, he had a few good years a couple years back. Last two seasons with Cleveland, he was nondescript. So you can't even look to him if you're Tannehill to help bail you out if the running game doesn't get going. Yeah, and with that, again, our linebackers are extremely shaky. I mean, there's no way to deny it. There's a lot of, hey, prove it, let's see it. Obviously, Micah McFadden, Tate Crowder being two of those guys in the middle. I I have visions, and I was there in Dallas. I know you were years ago. I have visions of Jason Witten cooking Wani Unga to win a game. I can't have Austin Hooper beating whatever we throw out at linebacker. And Paul? And this is where we will transition a little bit to keys to the game. I know this is something you guys do a lot on the pregame show. I kind of think every week we should kind of give key players to the game. And for all those who might be saying, hey, Paul and Sean, only four episodes in, has the chemistry going, you've already read my mind. So I'm just going to rattle off a couple of – I'm going to give you an offensive guy, a defensive guy, and a special teams guy that I've highlighted that I think are critical if the Giants are going to win. My defensive guy was Jihad Ward. He was because – You know, if you invested as much time as most of us did as Giants fans watching the preseason, you didn't really get a full taste. He's new. He's unknown to the Giants fan base, but he's something very, somebody very familiar with Wink Martindale. And as you pointed out, he is a run stopper. And this is the exact kind of game. If we're missing our key pass rushers on the edge, 
that you're happy to have a Jihad Ward. And he can't be missing tackles. He's got to be taking on Derrick Henry. And that's the other thing. Don't miss tackles in this game. Don't give him those four no. five extra yards. Put them in second and eight, third and six. Don't have those become second and two, third and one, that kind of downs. That's the kind of stuff that drives you nuts from a Giants defensive point of view. And I think Jihad Ward really can be that critical with whatever personnel they throw out there because of the type of offense that Tennessee is. Offensively, look, he looks healthy. I'm going to keep coming back to this. I know a lot of people will jump out and say, Saquon, I know what's up at the offensive line. Kadarius Toney on a wet field make people miss because he's the kind of guy, you know, shake somebody out of their boots on one of these slants, a curl, something like that. And, you know, it could be Victor Cruz versus Philly in 2011. That's the kind of player and the ability Kadarius Toney has. And we saw it at times last year when he was healthy. And I I just keep coming back to the weather. I I think he's the kind of guy that makes somebody slip. And next thing you know, Kadarius Toney is free for seven. And the Giants have that one-up, you know, play in the game that changes the game. And lastly on specials, look, there's no doubt we're not going to go up and down in a shootout here. Last year, Riley Dixon was brutal. Jamie Gillian here as the punter. Let's get a little pinning. Let's let's play the field position game. Don't give Tennessee short field Sunday, Paul. Those would be the three guys I'm looking at that I think are critical to a giant win. Yeah, I, I would have no dispute about what you're saying there. I would say that that Kyle Phillips, the rookie out of UCLA, was an incredibly dangerous punt returner in college. So you bringing up Gillen is actually something that's probably under the radar for most. But he's going to have to make sure that he does a good job of making Phillips go horizontal to chase that football and pin him against the sidelines. He had two touchdown returns on punt returns uh, when he was at UCLA and averaged 19 yards per return. I mean, you talk about explosive. He may not do much necessarily in the standard offense as one of the backup receivers for the Titans right now as he tries to learn things and develop chemistry with Tannehill. But it doesn't take any chemistry to be back there on punt returns. You catch the ball, you be electric. He can hurt the Giants. And when you talk about a wet field, you know, these kick returners who have that mosquito-like ability to make a move on a dime could really hurt you. And the Giants special teams coverage units were terrible during the preseason. They were they were awful. And for all the grief people might have given Joe Judge, you know, leaning towards keeping guys for special teams. Boy, you're going to you look out if the coverage team is not out there. Now, Paul, not to venture too far off. We were in a game preview. Can you describe to me mosquito like ability as a Paulism here? What is that? Well, it's what it's one of the phrases that I love to use. One of my analogies. Mosquitoes are these guys who are small but lightning quick. And they just annoy the living hell out of you because every time you think you want to smash them, they make a quick move and they escape. So would you consider Wandell Robinson a guy who has mesquite, uh, mosquito-like ability? There's no question. There's absolutely no question. I think Tony and okay. Robinson are both mosquito-like. All right. So on that, on the mosquito-like, give me – we now look, Galladay's another story. Let's see what happens with him. I kind of sneakily, from a betting perspective, Paul, I'm going to let you know, I kind of think after everything we went through, I wouldn't be shocked if Galladay somehow catches a fade in the end zone and the red zone in this game, and everybody goes, oh, wow, he can score a touchdown. But two guys I'm interested in on the depth chart and what their roles will be Sunday, uh, Wondell Robinson and Sterling Shepard in this offense. What are your expectations well, for those guys? Consider that Elijah Molden, who's supposed to be the starting nickelback for Tennessee, has a groin injury. Now, Sean, you and I can both tell anybody out there who hasn't tried to run on wet turf 
with a mm-hmm. bad groin, that's not a good deal. That is no. just not a good deal. I can't watch so, TV with a bad groin, Paul. I can't imagine running I understand. It, it can, yeah. it, it's a painful deal. So here's the thing. If I'm the Giants, I'm looking to exploit the the Titans' nickel whenever possible. Trey Avery, Trey Avery is the backup, and he's nothing to write home about. So I'm going to try to test Molden early in this game. And, and if he can't hold up and they throw the backup in, well, put the red light on his helmet because that's where I'm going with all of my key passes yeah. in the second half. And if, and if Molden tries to gut it out because they've got no other choice, well, guess what? Then the right light goes on his helmet because I'm going to attack him the entire second half. And that's something I'm really interested in with this team and this coaching staff because one of the things, you know, Paul, strictly from a fan perspective, that drove Giants fans nuts the last two years, whether it was Jason Garrett, and then I don't really count the Freddie Kitchens offense because it's basically the same, and then Daniel Jones was out. But it just felt like there was a lack of really trying to exploit weaknesses on the field and take advantage uh, of teams with, you know, certain injuries. It was kind of like, we're going to run our game and it doesn't matter who's out there, you know, dare us to stop us. And then guess what? Defenses stopped them. I am, you highlight obviously the nickel corner position with Tennessee. uh, And obviously when we talk about the defensive side with Wink Martindale up against a right tackle, I'm really anxious to see how far along this coaching staff is and how innovative they may be and how different this really could be in a refreshing way to, you know, just take advantage of mismatches or, you know, injuries on the other team's front. I think that's something that's very under the radar and something maybe that should be the most exciting for Giants fans is just a refreshing approach to things in game here. You know, Sean, there are so many things that impact what a coaching staff is going to do with their playbook. And one of them, is certainly the functionality of the offensive line. This is why we talk all the time, football 101, you've got to win the game in the trenches. If you don't have a functional offensive line, you can take a bunch of chapters out of your playbook and burn them in the fireplace. And, And quite frankly, as unimaginative as people would accuse the last several years of Giants offenses, it was only compounded by the fact that the offensive line was so dysfunctional that they had to consistently burn chapters of the playbook. They couldn't even use the full complement of what they had, restrictive as it may have been. I don't think that's the case right now, which should make everybody out there happy to know that this coaching staff believes they can use their full playbook. Now, We still don't know who the left guard is as we sit here and do this program. The Giants are having a competition right now. Uh, You know, Brian Dable has not named his starting left guard. And I can tell you for a fact, there is a competition going on between a number of guys, including Ben Bredesen, who is the veteran who was coming off of a, a sore elbow that forced him to miss the last couple of weeks at camp. They're listing him unofficially as the starting left guard on the depth chart. Will he be that guy? I don't think that Coach Dable will know until after Friday's practice has completed because he has used a bunch of guys in there trying to figure out who deserves the opportunity to go up against Jeffrey Simmons. All right, Paul. Now, as far as predictions go, you have the Giants winning 23-20. I am also going on the record of picking a win. I think we get in the end zone four times and kick a field goal. Get this. We haven't done this in a long time. I think Giants are scoring 31 points on Sunday. I'm more positive than Paul Dettino. 
And I think in the rain. In the rain. In the rain. 31 points in the, in the rain. rain. I think we get a nice surprise Sunday. <laughs> and I think the Giants win the game 20, uh, 31 to 20. I think they actually blow out the Titans. So for all those, hey, Paul's too positive. Take that. I got a better score here versus the Titans. Now, with those predictions, let's play a little quick fantasy versus reality. And what I mean by this, Paul, is I want you to give me, now you think the Giants are probably getting in the end zone twice. I have them getting in the end zone four times. Give me a touchdown scorer on Sunday, and then give me the reality on who the real key best piece of the Giants offense will be on Sunday. Well, I don't think there's any question that Saquon Barkley is going to score a touchdown and he is going to be the flagship member of this offense. That's the way it will be for most of the season, as long as he stays healthy, right? Every rabbit's foot yep. and fingers crossed. And that's and you know what? As an NFL fan, you have to root for this guy to play 17 games because yeah, he's a sure. thrill to watch. You know, sure. I always tell people all the time, take a step back. Forget about the team that you may may have a preference for. Think about it as an NFL fan. You want to see the best players ball out. Yeah. And so yeah, let's let, let's see Stephon right? Barkley start doing it right now against Tennessee. Yeah, I, I've had my issues with uh, clearly the Saquon pick and Saquon, you know, staying healthy in the player. But I'm a Giant fan. I root for Saquon. I think he's a good guy. So clearly, when he you know when he's really going and he's making those highlight real plays, I think that's huge. So okay, so you're with Saquon on scoring. You think he's in yeah. the end zone Sunday? All right. And reality, who's the best player on the offense on Sunday? Oh, I, I think it's going to be Barkley. Again, so Barkley I, I, both the score and you think he's flat out the best player. See, I, okay, the reason I'll, I'll go back and forth, I think the reality is we're going to walk away going, oh, my goodness, how clean Daniel Jones was. I think Andrew Thomas will be the best player on the Giant offense on Sunday. Uh, and just to kind of get back, my fantasy thing, I think that there's a chance Tony has one of those Victor Cruz NFC Championship 2011 games in wet weather where maybe he's not in the end zone, but he's constantly making the plays to get him down the field. I yeah. really, and this is no bearing on what I think of the player, what it'll be long-term. I just think because of all the negativity, I have a funny feeling we're getting a touchdown from Kenny Galladay Sunday. I really do. Well, you know, that, that would be fine. I'm sure the Giants would approve of that. Uh, well, I will mention this, though, about your Thomas pick, okay? Um, Bud Dupree, who is their edge rusher par excellence now, uh, in the preseason, he was primarily going up against the left tackle. That's because, obviously, Harold Landry is out because of the knee injury. Well, this is new for Dupree now because, remember, he's coming off his own ACL injury last year. It was his first year back. Missed half the season. So he's now two years removed. But the thing about Dupree is, over the course of time, he has flopped. Between left side and right side, when he was with the Steelers, he was on one side. Then they had to put him on the other side with the Titans. Now he's going back to the other side. So I'm I'm interested to see how they use him, how the Giants deal with him. If it's strictly going to be him man-on-man against Andrew Thomas, then you may have yourself a winning pick right there. Because I expect that Thomas can hold up against Dupree in a one-on-one situation. So so you make a really interesting pick. And And as far as... Uh, talking about Barkley, let me just add one thing for you, Sean. If the Giants are going to get a lead into the fourth quarter of this game, and, and they're going to have a little bit of breathing room, they will need Barkley to run that ball and run that clock. So yeah. it might be it might be to your advantage if Barkley winds up stealing the show and being the star of the day anyway. All right, and now obviously this defense, which, Paul, are we in agreement that we think overall through the course of the season the offense will be the better unit than the defense this year? Because, I mean, I think to me that's pretty clear. 
the potential is certainly there as long as uh, the injury-prone guys, and I hate to use the word injury-prone because that's a, that's a nasty label to put on somebody, but if the guys who have been hurt in recent years are all healthy and play to the level that they're expected to, the offense certainly has more potential to be a, I don't know, could we say, could we say the Giants might even have a fringe top 10 offense if all these guys are able to play a full season? Uh, certainly, and it starts with the quarterback, Daniel Jones, playing a full season as well. Need him to play 17. Okay, on that note, it's tough to do fantasy versus reality on defense. We both brought up that we think Jahab Ward is actually really critical. So let's take him away from the, the equation right now. For good or for bad, and I'm assuming it's going to be for good because we're both predicting a win. When we wake up as a giant fan base on Monday, texting with buddies, the group chats, the tweets, the BBI message boards, all of that, who's the Giants defensive player that we're talking about? Oh, you're going to absolutely love Xavier McKinney. I mean, look, he played at a Pro Bowl level last year. He's got the green dot. He's going to be the guy, you know, making the calls. And I think he is primed for Bear. He's pretty, he's pretty, um, let's just say, I won't go if upset's the right word, but he feels dissed that last year he didn't get the kind of recognition that he deserves. And okay. and he's he's going to come out of the gate firing. I like that. So I'm going safety position as well. I think Julian Love will be a tackling machine on Sunday. And let's face it, you know, he's been a really good tackler, especially on versus a run first team. You know, if you get past Julian Love on that line of defense as far as him coming up, whether it's in the box or, or elsewhere, the Giants will be in for a world of hurt. But I think Julian Love might lead the team in tackles on Sunday, and I think that we are going to be very impressed with him fully embracing the captain's defensive role. But that's an interesting safety combo. I'm very high on, on both of them. I mean, clearly we we both picked one here, uh, but I love it. I love that Xavier McGinney, McKinney having a little bit of a you know an X on him, the X-Man himself. All right, Paul, look, I'm fired up. I want you to get to Nashville nice and safe. I'm looking forward to this game, and I can't wait for Monday morning, you know, hopefully breaking down a giant win and looking ahead to Carolina, and we're off and running here with one giant step. So we're both in lockstep. We're both picking wins. I'm actually picking a bigger win than you. This is outstanding you're heading into week one. You know, one way or the other, Sean, I think that we're going to be very interested in watching all four quarters of this game because no matter how it turns out, it's very important to see the dynamic of how this coaching staff operates, how these players are, are finding their way through the system, and how competitive they're going to be right out of the gate. I think right now the atmosphere around that team is, is very, very, very positive. And even if they don't come out of there with a win, if they play well and something fluky happens, like somebody slips and Tannehill throws a last-minute touchdown pass to beat them, I think there'll still be a lot to gain. Uh, I agree. I agree. And look, we're, we're not idiots. We clearly can see them coming out of this game with a loss. It's just a belief. What I don't want to see happen is it's 31-10 the other way, and the Giants look inept, right. and we're scrambling. I think we'll get – and remember, we got this with the first year of Joe Judge, competitive games versus good teams. Uh, were more of a reason to look forward to anything in last year than they were – you know, the fact that they were in a fake playoff race, if you will. So I think they'll be very competitive, uh, and I'm I'm officially excited. I'm officially excited. I, Paul, what? I leave you with one thought, Sean. We, okay. we all know that we don't like to put much stock in the preseason. And in the last several years, I think a lot of people, including those of us who, who are around practice every day, fooled ourselves into thinking, well, gee, the Giants look like stale bread. 
during the course of the preseason, they'll get better once the season starts. And in the last handful of years, that never happened. What we saw in the preseason extended right through the regular season, and the team just wasn't very good, period. I do think that even though the preseason doesn't necessarily mean a lot, we saw a lot of fun, exciting, interesting stuff from both sides of the ball during this preseason. I would like to believe that's a foreshadowing that we will see much more entertaining football once things kick off on Sunday. I do agree. And forget the entertaining aspect. You know what I saw? I saw competence. I saw a team that came up to the line of scrimmage, even running vanilla stuff and looked competent, at least offensively, even with some questions defensively. But the blitzing and everything that goes into it, I'm pumped up for all of it. I I can't get enough. This is uh, exciting, refreshing. No matter what happens over the course of 17 weeks, it's again, we're in the wave of something new, but this feels like good new. So I'm really pumped up about it. Uh, Paul, we will follow you at Tootsie's and all weekend long, whatever you're doing, uh, in the rain at Giants WFAN. And you can follow me at Mraz CBS. Paul, enjoy Nashville, brother. Thank you, my friend. Stay well. Thank you for taking another one giant step. Love.